You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. First, I want to say thanks for listening. We've got a great guest, Ethan Suplee, uh today. Uh, been in everything. We'll get to that in just a moment. I'll make this brief. But I want to thank everybody out there for thanking me and wishing me happy thoughts on my birthday and also having surgery. I had a little back surgery. And, uh, well, first, happy birthday. Thank you for the happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thank you, my friend. Uh, the back is, is doing better. Good. Uh, you know, it's three weeks out. So thank you, for everyone, for worrying about me or thinking about me. So that's all I'll say about that. And uh, hey, if you're if you enjoy this podcast today, if you're here for Ethan Suplee and you're interested, hopefully you'll stick around. We've got a lot of great guests coming. We've had a lot of great guests in the past. Hopefully you'll subscribe and uh, you'll you'll give it a listen and give it a chance. And that's how we get more listeners. Hopefully you're here for Ethan, but you stick around for little old me, uh, <laughs> Ryan. It's uh, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook to follow us at Inside of You Pod on the Twitter. Um, I'd appreciate you writing a, re- a review on Apple. Um, and listening, watching, subscribing, uh, telling everybody, you know, also, uh, we'll talk about it at the end of the show, but I talk about my wonderful Patreon. You can join the family that supports the podcast even more. It really helps it out. You'd be surprised by how much it helps out, but that's patreon.com slash inside of you. And you could be part of my family and I'll give you a text you a message after you join. Um, also, our, we have some two stage it shows, July 31st, my band, Sunspin. You go to sunspin.com and get uh, all the information for the band, merch, buy Zooms and talk to me and uh, uh, get tickets for the concert on July 31st. We're playing two shows. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, you can also go to the Inside of You store and get Lex Luthor stuff, small of the lunchboxes, Lex Luthor shirts, uh, Inside of You mugs, and the list goes on. And uh, sunspin.com, you get all the merch and everything. You want there. Also, I will be at uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta at September 4th weekend with Tom Welling. We're going to probably do a Smallville Nights, I think. I'm not sure yet. LexingtonComicCon.com, September 9th through the 12th, and West Virginia MountaineerComicCon.com. You can go to September 24th weekend. Uh, I'll be there. There's other ones as well. So just uh, follow me on the socials right now. Ethan Suplee is the guest today. He talks about everything, his heroin addiction, how he had to go to uh, rehab, how his wife helped him love life, make life matter, if you will, Um, how he dropped out of school, um, how he nailed his first audition, and so much more. This guy's an inspiration. I love him dearly. Let's get inside of Ethan Suplee. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Well, you know, look, dude, I, I haven't seen you in quite a while. And I know we were kind of friends. We were friends, you know, like more acquaintances, but like not close friends. But back in the days when I would hang out with, you know, at Leo's house, name drop, total name drop right there. But and I remember it was just a good time. And he was he was a great guy. You're you were always so pleasant and so sweet. So and I, I remember Something funny, because I have a video of, of you and Jay Ferguson's blue truck, and we're singing Sting, and you're singing it in one car, and I'm singing it in the other car. Oh, wow. Do you remember that song? God, it's just been on my mind. This was the 90s. This was the, <laughs> These were the 90s. How would I remember 20 years ago? Yeah. But I remember it. I remember it. I remember just uh, enjoying your presence and then seeing your whole metamorphosis or whatever you're just evolution has been just fucking like what the f-? like it's just incredible and i know that every podcast you do and i know you have your podcast american glutton podcast which in california you think they, they should have an american gluten podcast they probably do but by the way what so what what do you do on the podcast on american glutton podcast it's really you know um uh, another guy who who you will remember from back then kevin Connolly. um yeah. Uh, we were going to Japan like maybe 10 years ago and we got on the plane and he was like, what the hell are you going to do for 14 hours? And I said, I'm going to listen to this Dan Carlin podcast about, you know, the history of the Mongols or something, whatever it was, some series where you got 14 hours of content from Dan Carlin, who's like the God of history. Um, And he was like, what's a podcast? So I showed him, he downloaded the app. He didn't sleep on the plane. He listened to the whole thing straight through. We landed in Japan. And then the entire trip we were on, he was consumed with podcasts and just like couldn't believe 
that this existed and that people were just talking and having conversations. And, and so he became kind of obsessed and he created this podcasting studio um, called the Action Park Media. And he, before, before they launched, he was kind of saying to me, you have to come do a podcast. Uh, he wanted me to do one uh, about politics because I'm very much a contrarian and I kind of uh, overtly despise all politicians. So no matter what anybody's <laughs> happy about in politics, I'll just try to rain shit down on it. <laughs> and I said to him, there is no way that I'm going to do that. It's such like a not a thing to do because I can have that conversation with you, but it's not a public conversation. It's not anything I'm interested in talking about publicly. Um, and he was like, come on, push. Like one day I woke up when he was asking me and I was like, oh, I can fully talk about health and fitness because I've done that. And it, it, a lot of the way I look at it is very analogous to how I look at politics or philosophy or any of these things. Um, so we talk about health and fitness, but if anybody wants to like listen to it and you can very easily figure out that I am just not interested in the political system that we have. Right. At all. And also there's enough shows about politics. And when you yeah. talk about health and life and in my show, we talk about anxiety and facing adversity and this and that. And uh, it's something that some people can relate to. And politics is just something that everybody just starts arguing about and everybody has their own opinion. And health is something, you know, health is something that's universal and that I think anybody could listen to. So it just, it makes more sense. I think you'd be, you're probably happier than you would be if you were doing a political uh, podcast. Yeah. I mean, um, I would, yes, for sure. Because I, 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 you know, it's, I don't think it's fun. I think it's a fun conversation to have with somebody who, you know, at the end of it, even if they get mad at you, they're not going to like write you off as a bad person. Right. And that, right, right, right. You can't, I can't do that. Um, with the, with pop, I don't think anybody can, like, I think it's, it's a divide that's set that, uh, once you're on whatever line you're on and I don't even believe in, in the left, right line so much, but just like whatever team you, somebody associates you with some team, and if that's not your team, fuck you. You don't and listen. So it's like, it's just not a, and, and, and to your point, like it's the most over-discussed thing in yeah. America. Who gives since, since Biden got elected, I just have turned off the TV. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, I turned off the TV many years ago. <laughs> I think the last time I voted was Obama the first round. And then I became so disillusioned by him and his foreign policy that I was just like, I'm done. I quit. I'm no longer interested in American politics. You start so, to think, does it matter anymore? Does it really right. matter what I say or what I do and how much breath am I wasting? Exactly. And I'm not, what do I, I'm, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. Right. You know, you just get tired of it. All right. Yeah. You know, on this podcast, I talk, you know, right now, this is called uh, how you doing. It's a, it's a mental health moment. How you doing? So how are, how are you right now? How are you mentally? physically and what are you what are you doing right now to kind of keep uh positive yeah so i'm in mexico uh i have four kids um they all go to school in other states so i don't see them a lot and then we had this awful thing the pandemic so they all came home and it was like like christmas groundhog's day of christmas <laughs> over and over where it's like they're all here this is kind of fun and then you know, and then you get sick of them at some point and you're kind of like, I wish they'd go back to school, but none of the schools are open. Um, but ha having spent the last year so in such tight family mode, it's very rough to be away from them. And so uh, I'm trying just to concentrate on work. And it's also proven quite difficult to... Um, adhere to my nutrition plan a hundred percent for the hotel. Uh, and I have a little kitchenette in my hotel and, and, um, that's super helpful, but it's not nearly as convenient. It's not a full kitchen and, a, you know, like I walk to the grocery store basically every morning before work and buy food and then make sure I have food to take to work with me. Cause I just don't trust set food. Um, Wow. So that's what, that's how I'm doing right now. So you're a little anxious. There's some anxiety there. You miss your family, you miss your wife, you miss the kids, 
you're in a different uh, country, you're trying to work, you're trying to have the same regiment that you, you've been doing for a while that's kept you in this great shape, this new person that you've become. Uh, so that's that's stressful because you want to maintain that. You don't want to get off the wagon, right? Yeah, there's a fair amount of anxiety right now, for sure. And so it's important for you to keep your workouts. If you stop working out, if you stop doing these things, that's probably going to come back. Yeah, the workouts are key. And then we'll have night shoots, which kind of decimate the workout because, uh, you know, you've just been up all night. And so like leading up to the night shoot, like the night before the night or the day before the night shoot, I'll get um, um, my workout will be perfect. And then night shoots start. And it just is like almost too hard to go to the gym before work the next day, especially if your turnaround is. Squeezed. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't want to work so, out. I don't want to eat. I, I don't, I don't want to. I just want to eat and go to bed. I don't. It's easy right, to jump tough. into that. Fuck. I want room service and I want to turn on HBO Max and, you know, or Netflix or something and relax. And it's okay to do that once or twice. But if you continue to do it and get into the habit, that's where that, the bad habits again start. That's right. Well, you know, everybody right. knows you. I mean, look, if you if you don't know him, you've seen him in everything. American History X. Remember the Titans, Wolf of Wall Street, Without a Paddle. Uh, worked with our buddies, Dax, and uh, Kevin Smith films. And My Name is Earl. And it just goes on and on. You've been working so long. But if you go back to, you know, I think I always think it's interesting to, you know, because my my family, I always talk about the dysfunction and how it happened, how I became an actor. And, you know, people know that who listen. But for you, what was it like growing up in your household? Because I read that your parents met in Summerstock Theater. And so they were actors. And so you grew up with two actors, right? Uh, well, they quit uh, acting when I came along. They were they they met in Summerstock. Uh, they toured with shows. My mom was on Broadway, and then uh, I think it was a decision where they sat down when she was pregnant with me and were just like, "This is not a conducive lifestyle to have kids." And they were both actors. I don't know how, and I'm sorry if you're. Um, significant other if you have one oh, i don't i'm alone i'm alone okay good i'm very alone <laughs> I, I don't Ethan. understand two actors in a relationship like it just doesn't I, the the relationships that i've been aware of where that's the that's the dynamic they don't seem to be cohesive I, I, and then i think about like ed harris I guess he's got a solid long-term thing with Dax his. and Kristen seem to be solid. Dax, yeah. <laughs> you so know? there are examples. Right. Certainly, but they're rare. But, they're rare. Yeah. And my parents kind of recognized that and they weren't doing movies. It was all uh, theater, but they would tour. And so one would be off on a tour with one play and the other would be either in New York or on some other tour. And, um, you know, they just, they, they opted out, but, uh, so, but I was raised with plays and I had cats named Stanley and Stella growing up and like, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. House. I mean, what, what did they just decide when you were born? Like, we're not going to act. So they got real jobs. And what were those jobs and how did they support you? Uh, my dad is a painting contractor and my mom ran that business. And they've been running that business since you were a kid. Yep. Do you talk to them about projects you're going to do it maybe at your house? Do you ask for their uh, input? I mean, I tell them when there's stuff. There, I think there's a lot of um, anxiety about work as an actor, as you would know. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I was first starting out and I had gotten this job and I was thrilled about it. And my dad said, you know, you're only as good as your next job. And it <laughs> was just kind of like, fuck, great. Okay, well, that's. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't have a next job, so I'm ter I'm not, I'm worthless. Um, so there is definitely something and then about, you know, stuff falls through and, and stuff, uh, falls apart, you know, financing goes away. So I, I, I actually don't like to talk about it with them at all until I'm like on set and, and it seems like they're yeah. not going to pull the plug at any minute. Right. You know? Yeah. Cause I remember, you know, and I've told the story, but I remember my dad, I told him I'm, I'm doing this movie. It's this, uh, he goes, what kind of movie is it? Well, it's an independent movie. Independent. What do you mean independent? Well, it's an independent movie. It's, you know, uh, private financing. So it's not a studio picture. It's not a real movie. No, I didn't say it. Was it a real fucking, no, it's a, it's a real movie. It's just that it hopefully we'll get Bob. Oh, fuck it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
It was one of the, where they, you just, you talk yourself into feeling like it's a shitty thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. I start to talk like I'm just like negative. Like this isn't a good thing. Like, Oh, I got a movie, but eh, I'm not on set yet. Uh, it's not a real, eh, it probably won't go anywhere. It's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be having yeah. fun. This is the way things were supposed to be. You were supposed to graduate high school and you became something. You did things. This is, this is good. But I always think like that. And I'm trying look, I'm trying to change that positive thinking and therapy and things like that. But were your parents supportive? Did they, did they try to get you away from acting or did you have the bug because you were around them and you knew so much about plays and and did they kind of just say, all right, this is what you want to do? I think my parents were just happy that I was doing something. Um, there was not I, I left school at 14 and I was a. What do you mean you, you know, left school at 14? Who just says I'm leaving school at 14? I, I just refused to go. I just stopped going, you know, and and basically said to my mom, like, are you going to call the truant officer and send me to jail? And I and she wasn't prepared to do that. And I just wasn't I just no longer went um, and had some some arrests. And um, you were arrested. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was How old? in the eighties, in, in the late eighties, very young. Um, I was a pain in the ass. And so, you know, I had a friend who, who was an actor and he had seen me in a play at school at, when I was like 14, right at the end. And he, and he was aware that I was doing nothing and left school and said to me, like, you should come to my acting class. You should just do that. Like, this guy needs something to do. And where is this? And where is this? All in LA. All in LA. So you, you went to this acting class. Went to this acting class for a year from 16 to 17. Kind of got frustrated with the acting class. Uh, and then was like, I'm going to go. And, and, you know, there were levels. There was like the, the beginner's class. Right. And then there was the intermediate. And my friend was in the advanced class. So I always was like, I got to get to the advanced class with my buddy. That'll be fun. Never got past the beginner class and quit and just started working, you know, like taking a, what was the magazine backstage and sending agents, my picture. And then the agents like, you look interesting. I'll send you out on an audition. We'll see what happens. What? First, That's rare. Yeah, my first day of auditions I had Melrose Place and Boy Meets World. I went to Melrose Place. No, I went to Boy Meets World first. Then driving to Melrose Place, I was told I had a callback for Boy Meets World after Melrose Place. Go to Melrose Place, get a call that I got the job, but then they're discussing it and they're like, oh, he's not in SAG. We're not, we're not going to hire him. Go back to Boy Meets World and get Boy Meets World, which I did for three years. That was day one of auditioning. Uh, day this is the most bizarre crazy start to a career i mean you hear about these things but these are incredibly rare things this is a kid who says fuck school i'm done with school oh yeah i'll take an acting class fuck that i'm not taking an acting class i'll do it myself i'll send pictures to backstage and then you land a job on your first day of auditions yeah and you were on that show for three years and you're starting to make money yeah and i think at that point uh my parents were just utterly relieved were you in good spirits? Like, it sounds to me like you were problematic, like you were troubled and you like, I don't know how your attitude was, but did you have a, like a bad attitude this whole time or you were just kind of going with the flow or could you turn on the good charm? Um, I, I had a bad attitude with myself. I had a bad attitude with my parents. Um, but at work, I was, I was thrilled to be at work. I was thrilled to have a job that, um, that was fun. It was a fun thing to do. Right. Were you heavier at this time already? Yeah. So you were. I mean, I got bigger over time. I remember between season one and season two of Boy Meets World, um, my agents called and said, the producers say you do not have to gain weight for this role. And, and I didn't think through that comment as clearly as I should have because I was just like, <laughs> Okay. All right. I don't have to gain weight if I don't want, but I, maybe I want to. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't have that. Maybe I want to. I just had like, well, I'm not, you know, I wasn't getting on scales. I wasn't aware that I was gaining weight, but I was, I was steadily gaining weight. Right. 
inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash inside. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Do you think that had something to do with being a 14-year-old in high school? Did you feel like the way people were treating you or the way – do you think that's sort of how that whole – how you just your feeling, how you felt about things and, and your parents trying to tell you – did they ever say, hey, you need to lose some weight or you need to – like, you know, when you hear these – yeah, explain that. I was on diets from five uh, until – basically until um, until I just started telling my parents to fuck off. Uh, which was like 14. Um, and uh, I was, you know, th- it was, 
there was a, a sense of um, wrongness. My first, my first idea of self, you know, you're a little kid and there's no idea that like, oh, this body, like there was no awareness of it. The first bit of awareness that I had about my body was that it was wrong. Uh, and, and so, and then I was just, and then it was just constantly reaffirmed through, you know, my whole family would go macrobiotic, but really it was just because they, they thought this macrobiotic, you know, and you can name any diet, um, Atkins at some point in the eighties and, and fit for life. And it, there were Adele Davis books, which she was like the first diet person I was ever truly like here, we're going to read this book together and you're seven. And I'm like, okay. Um, but there was just a constant feeling of being off from like five on. Uh, and so when I just kind of, got sick of it and was like, I'm not going to conform to what I'm not going to do what you tell me to do anymore. Um, you know, I went I, uh, like a runaway train down the road away from the goals they were setting for me. Wow. Cause you know, it's those developmental stages. It's like that young five, six, seven, that little that I remember you're short you're, you know, you're, you're not smart. You're those things stick with you, no matter how smart you get or how tall yeah. you get, you always remember for some reason, I wish I could just stop that little fucker from thinking these things that you weren't good enough. You weren't smart enough. You weren't whatever, but you're saying ultimately that at that young age, you're, you're like, what's wrong with me ultimately? Like I, and, and does that carry with you throughout your adulthood? Like, even though you're in great shape now, you look great, you feel great. Do you still think back? I'm still that kid. You know, it's a very um, tricky thing because I don't know. I can, I can mentally work myself through it today, but there is always kind of my, my gut reaction to myself in the mirror or a photograph or anything like that is always kind of disgust. And, and as of today, I can definitely stop that because I know that's a dark road if I allow myself to sit in that. So I take time and I find something about myself that I'm not disgusted by. And I build on that. And then I feel a little bit better. And, but yeah, there, there, there's no like true escape from, there's no like off switch where it just goes away. I haven't found that for myself. Right. Um, you know, and you think about like even some injuries, physical injuries, you break your arm and then you're always kind of aware that that arm might be weaker or something like that. Um, it's, it's similar. It's not as heavy as it was at one point. And, and there was a long time where I used drugs to, to block out those thoughts. And, and I suddenly, you know, had never understood this uh, sense of confidence that drugs gave me. And it was just like, well, this is fucking great if I can just do this all the time. But then, you know, you wake up and you feel like even worse. Worth, shit worthless. Than you did. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of a trap for me too. Um, it is something that I can work through, but it hasn't, it's not something I've cured. Right. Also, at this young age, you start, I guess, 17 years old, you start getting roles. And that doesn't stop. You don't stop working. You haven't stopped working. But you're starting to get roles and you're playing, you're heavier on, in all the roles, correct? Yeah. So do you start to feel like, why lose weight anyway? Why try to change who I am? Because I'm getting all the jobs now. You know, it was something that by the time, uh, I guess, like, uh, I did Boy Meets World for three years. And so I'm like, in that time period, I started doing drugs while I was doing drugs. I was not thinking about any of it, nothing. There were no thoughts like that. It wasn't, I wasn't thinking about the future at all. It was just very much in the moment and the moment is numb and comfortable. And, um, and so there was no thought about like, if I lost weight, there was no thought about weight. It was just like, I, I, I have this crippling, uh, disgust for myself that, uh, that I can turn off with drugs. 
And if I do that, then I'm happy and I can be happy doing all this other stuff that is supposed to make you happy. Lots of money and attention and, you know, success to some degree. Um, so there wasn't a lot of thought about the future. What kind of drugs? Heroin, cocaine. Really? You got into heroin? Yeah. For a while? For a few years, yeah. I mean, they, they always say that that's one drug you get on, you never get off for the most part. It's a rough one. I, I went to rehab a few times, and I, I remember being so envious of the, the crackheads at rehab because <laughs> they would come in, and the first thing you do is detox, Like, right? You don't go to group if you're still strung out. Um, you're like kind of off in another area, and these crackheads come in, and they just sleep, and then they, they get woken up, and they go to meals, and they eat everything, and they have these just huge appetites, and then they go back to sleep. And the junkies are sitting there awake for days on end, can't eat anything, oh. pissing out their asses. Like, it's really rough. My God. Yeah, but I, it's nothing as rough as the, the, the ones I was envious of were the guys who came in with, like, serious alcohol dependency or serious um, uh, benzo dependencies. Because those guys are at risk of death. Like... The other drugs are not at risk of death when you're coming off. If it's not comfortable, it's miserable. But like you see guys who have like real alcoholism, um, you can die just quitting those drugs. Right. I mean, I read this article or something that you quoted where you went into a Starbucks and you used to memorize everything you were going to order to a T. Explain, explain that story. Paint that picture. Yeah, I, I, I still do that. Um, you know, there, there was a, uh, uh, there was, there was always a feeling of being in an imposition and, and not wanting any attention drawn to myself. And so in any interaction I would have where other people were around, I would want it to be as efficient and smooth and quick as possible. So I would never stand online and then arrive somewhere and make a decision at that point. The decision is made before I get out of my car, I basically know exactly what I want. I know how to order it. I know where to pick it up. I know where to stand so that I'm not in anybody's way while I'm waiting for them to prepare it. Like all of that is stuff that I'm aware of. Um, and then, and then I would have, I would lash out at people who didn't do that in my mind going like how rude and presumptuous of that person not to have figured it out. And so I would build up these resentments, but really it was all about like, who fucking cares, dude, we're getting coffee. Like, you know, if you arrive at the teller and you, and you notice like, wow, they've got a, a flavor of coffee. I'm not familiar with. Let me ask them about that. Like you have the right to do that. <laughs> right, you know? right. I would never give myself the right to do that because I wouldn't want to spend another moment. Cause I picture that arriving at that place you're almost on a stage and I don't want to be looked at in that context because in that context, I'm me. I'm not acting when I'm acting. I'm not me. So you didn't like to be noticed. You didn't like to be recognized. You didn't want people to say, Hey, aren't you that guy from whatever you did not want that. I didn't mind. Hey, are you that guy from whatever as much? And I'll tell you why, because that was a veil and a facade that blocked them to some degree or lessened their awareness to some degree of seeing my grotesqueness. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I mean, I pictured myself moving through society as an eyesore, as a burden. And if I could throw up things like this identity actor that would distract you from the burden that I'm presenting, that was fine. So, so in that sense, I didn't um, mind simply because it was a distraction from what I thought of myself. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's horrific to think that, you know, it's just, it's such a sad thing that it, it almost takes, in other words, people noticing you from something is a distraction of who you think you are. Like you, you're, it's, it's it kind of takes your, their mind away from who you believe you really are. And they're not seeing because they're putting you on a pedestal in a sense. Totally. And that's what it was. Um, and that's probably still what it is a little bit, uh, today but you're unrecognizable you're a different person like honestly when i look at you i, I don't know anybody who go weren't you remember the titans weren't you in this weren't you in Wolf because you look so different yeah it's no, such it a different it's, it's, it's very rare now yeah and you like that 
yeah, I mean, I like, I like anonymity. I like, I, I don't want to be looked at really. I, 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 I am pleased that I can show that perseverance on a given course can be successful because I failed so many times at this course. So in that respect, I'm happy to put a picture up, which, but even that, there is something painful about social media because um, it just, I just am so judgmental of myself. Uh, and, and, and it's bizarre now that I can have uh, dueling ideas about myself, especially when you're trying to work on musculature of being too fat. I can feel, and I did today, I felt too fat and too thin at the same time. And, and I didn't know what to do with this thought um, and this feeling. And, and it's just like, you know, at some point you got to laugh because it's like, I have recognized that there will be no uh, perfection. There will be no turning off of the need of, of change. Right. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's just a burden. It, and, and, and I say all that, it's gotten much better. Sure. It, it is much better. How easy is it for you to, I mean, we, we, we hinted at this, but for someone who had, you know, for, for so long, what was someone else, you know, in, in a way you were obese and now you're in great shape and working hard and you just feel great. How easy or how, how, how easy would it be to, for someone to fall off the wagon? Is it something like alcoholism? Is food something like alcoholism where you know, you get down about something, you you have loss, you have whatever, and that just spirals you? Is it something that you're aware of or you talk to someone about? I talk to my wife about it, but but I don't I don't put absolute restraints on food in the same way that I do drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol is a very either or for me. Food, the tricky thing is that you can't stop eating. You die. The, the end result of, of not eating is death. And so that's not a solution. That's never a solution. Right. And so you find a lot of diets that will present you with just quit this type of food. And even that I was unsuccessful at because you game that. You can, you can, if, if the point is like, look, I understand if you're actually allergic to wheat or to gluten and you have celiac or Hashimoto's or something of that nature. Um, yes, you shouldn't eat gluten. You got to cut that out of your of your diet. But if your if your goal is weight loss, um, and you and and you go about it by just removing gluten from your diet, I I would just say from my anecdotal experience, not successful. It's not a successful way to lose weight. We're not exploring in that instance the way we were interacting with food that got us to the point that we needed to lose weight at all. We're just saying the onus of burden is on this thing, gluten, which if you're obese, if that's the only issue you're dealing with, it's scientifically not gluten's fault. So there's a lot in that. I don't like to put multiple days, consecutive days together of not sticking to my program. So the holidays I'm not going to be the guy at Christmas dinner weighing my roast beef and, right. you know, yeah, and yeah, a tablespoon yeah, of horseradish. Yeah, you want to enjoy not, the holidays, right. Yeah, but I'm not also going to pig out on leftovers on the 26th. Um, so there's there's a little balance there. This whole time, too, growing up, I mean, did you date girls? Did you have, like, a lot of dates where you... I mean, is it something you always wanted to date and you, you couldn't keep relating? I mean, what was that? What was that like? I definitely had confidence once I was on drugs um, to talk to women. And, and I had a few, I, I definitely had interactions with girls. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the time I was on so much drugs that there would be an in, you, you, you're no longer effectual when it comes to doing that deed. Um, so I, I I didn't have any like really successful relationships right. uh, before my wife, um, who really was the spark that turned my life around. Um, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> it, it was a weird cycle of like, I wasn't going to talk to girls before I did drugs because I 
I thought so lowly of myself, or if I was going to talk to girls, it was going to be, I was going to be the safest person they could ever talk to. You know what I mean? Right. There was not going to be a hint of sexuality in my communication with them. Yeah. I just recognized that even back in the day when I knew you, it was just, you were kind of a, you know, you talk, you were funny, but you didn't, you weren't going on hitting on girls. You weren't, you were just minding your own thing and just hanging out with the guys and just kind of, you know, I, I, I just remember that. I do yeah. remember that. Just, uh, you know, one of those top notch guys. Did you say your wife, Brandy, who you've been married to since 2006, right? We've been married since 2006 together since 2002. So and, almost and she years. saved your life. You say, I, I, I don't want to say she saved my life. I didn't care about my life prior to her. My life meant very little to me prior to her. And once I started seeing her. I was newly sober. I started seeing her. It was the very first time I started thinking about future. And that was really how I clawed my way out of this pit was going like having, you know, looking up and seeing the light way up at the top, like that there was life until there, until then I, I didn't, I never thought about the future. There was no thought. I went to bed so many nights totally convinced I was going to die in my sleep. And this was nothing that sparked a huge change. Wow. Yeah. That almost makes me want to cry because it's, yeah, there's certain things about it that I can understand. Um, but, but having not seeing a future is perhaps the saddest thing yeah. there is. If you don't see a future, if you just wake up every day saying, when is it going to happen? Or when am I going to, when, when am I going to be done? And I'm fine with it. Just end it already. It's almost like, you know, and the fact that someone comes into your world and for the first time your eyes open wide and you're thinking, Hey, wait a minute. There, there is a future. Maybe there is a future. Maybe I'm worthy of someone or someone's worthy of me. What, you know what I mean? It's, it's, that's, that's amazing that you meet someone. And not only that, but you probably opened up to her and she had to see your true colors come out and, see how you know damaged you were or not damaged but fractured or like you know how much baggage or shit you had weighing on you for your entire existence and at this point you realized i've thrown everything at her and and did you my question is did you throw everything at her and she's not running yeah the the moment i i broke down and 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 it was it was a very bizarre thing that i don't even know the adequate words to communicate exactly what occurred for me. But I, I had, I had this, I had this brutal conversation with a guy that was basically saying like, you're going to hell, you need to lose weight. And I hadn't had a conversation like that before. It was, it was like so um, curt and, and righteous and I, I landed in another country and I was kind of like in a state of almost shock. And I, and I was like, also going like, holy shit, he's kind of right about some things. Like I'm not thinking about anything, but like immediate gratification. And I've got this girl who I love, who wants to do all these things that I'm not physically capable of doing, like going on a hike or, uh, you know, spending the day at the beach or going to a museum, like I was not in really a state to do that kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, I got to tell her about this condition I have as, as though she wasn't aware. Um, and, and it wow. was the weirdest thing. It was like, I got to tell her this secret. That's not a secret that she knew, but she's going, she uh, hello. <laughs> yeah. But talking to her about it was as though she didn't know. It literally felt to me in that moment, like I'm going to say this to her and this could be the end of us. So it was either, it, it felt very much like if I don't say this to her, that I need help with this, I lose her for sure at some point because her future is a path that I'm not going to be able to keep up with. And if I do say it to her, I risk exposing this truth to her that is ugly and awful and damaged. And, and so I just thought like, well, at least I, I'm taking a shot at winning there. And so I had this conversation with her 
And she was like, so fucking cool, dude. She was like, oh yeah, we're going to do that. As soon as you get back to LA, I'll have something ready for you. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, yeah. And for right now, I was in Romania. And, uh, and she said, for right now, just while you're there, just don't eat bread. And I was like, okay. And that was kind of her, it was, <laughs> she was laying out this thing of like, you're going to take a baby step in the arena of being responsible with food. And it wasn't like, don't ever eat bread again. Just on this two weeks, you're going to do one thing that is going to be your beating food. And it's going to be, you're going to leave the dinner roll. You're going to not eat sandwiches. It's very simple. Did you you're do it? Lose weight. And I did. And I made it two weeks or three weeks or whatever it was with not eating bread. And I landed in LA and she picked me up. And she had gone to this nutritionist and gotten this like liquid diet thing. And, you know, the nutritionist gives you big bottles of fiber pills and vitamins. And she individually bagged everything, like spent a whole day preparing this stuff for me. And she was like, I've made each day of all your supplements and your protein shakes. And all you have to do is just do this. And I was like, great. And I'll do it. And I did that for 60 days a liquid diet. I lost 80 pounds. And as far as roller coaster dieting goes, that's 80 pounds that I've never dipped back into. I've never gotten those 80 pounds were permanent weight loss. Um, and then I got into, you know, and then you go back to work and you're like lightheaded half the time and it's not conducive. So you have to eat. And, and I would never recommend somebody do a liquid diet from whatever they're morbidly obese until their goal. Like, I don't think that's wise, but it was a great kickoff. You know, what's crazy is what I'm hearing is your entire life. You had many people talk to you about your weight and it was always, I'm not listening to you. I'm not doing this. And someone comes along and you're listening. And that's, I mean, you, you knew something. This was the love of your life. This was somebody that you, you, for the first time you saw a future and you listened to her. Was, was she really the first person that you were like, all right, uh, someone's helping. Someone's actually going on this journey with me. I'm not alone. It was the first time that I was invested, that, it, that I was the one going like, I want to change. It was, not, it, was a, it was the very first time it wasn't somebody going like, here's what you're going to do despite what you want. Um, and, you know, like, is there a way that I could have been invested as a kid if my parents had used different language with maybe, I don't know. But all I know is as a kid, it was now you're going to eat this way. And, and here's why, because you're fat or because you're overweight and it's not healthy and all of this stuff, which just compounded how I felt badly about myself, um, and made me rebel. And, and, and ultimately, you know, I got really bad when I became autonomous and was making money and was really just living for the moment and doing whatever I wanted with no restraint. Um, but yeah, it was the first time I went, hey, I need help with this. I want to change. I will do whatever you tell me, which I think I, I, I've also had success being sober in that way. Um, and, and in talking to people about sobriety, like I have no interest in my wife is not sober and I have no interest in anyone um, in trying to make somebody sober. Like this is not my mission at all. In fact, to the point where I've had people say, will you talk to my kid or will you talk to my friend? And it's like, no, because any, it didn't work for me. And I don't have the understanding of making it work for somebody else by pleading with them or describing some utopian future by changing your behavior. Um, I know it works when the individual goes, I want to make a change. That's, that's how I've seen it work. That's how I've experienced it work. And so the kind of the same thing with food. I think if you asked yourself for many years of your life, if like, you know, that, that stupid question that people are like, that's such a stupid question. When you say, uh, do you love yourself? But it would have been easy for you to say, fuck, no, I don't. It sounds like, yeah, right. For, for most sure. of your life, I, I could say that a lot of my life, I would probably say, what? No, no, I, I don't. I, 
sometimes I think I'm all right. I sometimes like myself. I love myself. I fuck. How do you love yourself? That's a lot to say. I don't love anyone. It's just such a mind boggle that people are like, you should be able to say you love yourself pretty easily. And that always fucked with me because it never was easy to go. Yeah. Yes. I love myself. That, that's not something that occurs to me at all. So when did you start? Do you, I mean, do you now feel like you're loving yourself more? I mean, obviously. I feel like it's been very helpful to be responsible for other people. And by doing that, I have to be responsible for myself. And, 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 and I do think I've learned to have um, certainly a higher level of admiration for myself, especially when it's like, um, setting and achieving goals and sticking to things that I've made decisions about because I was not good at that forever. So this idea of love, I don't know. Yeah. It's a very abstract thing for me too, you know, but you love other people when you love your kids, you love your wife, obviously. Yeah. You know, you're on an airplane and they tell you like, if we have to do oxygen masks, you got to put your oxygen mask on first because if you pass out trying to put your kid's oxygen mask on, then they don't get theirs either. So in that way, I think that's a road to loving yourself, right? If you can kind of play this mental hopscotch a little bit where you're like, I have to treat myself well because I have people dependent on me. And, And I actually love my wife and the fact that she loves me and I, and I, I don't have a, a really a critical thought about her leads me to believe there's something lovable about me. You know, it's these, absolutely these gymnastics that we have to play. Absolutely. By the way, before you started this big diet, which started, you know, losing weight, what was the most you ever weighed? The most I ever weighed um, objectively where I saw it on a scale was 536, but I did gain weight from that point. So I, I say 550, which 14 pounds at that weight, that could have just been a little extra salt one night and, and a bunch of booze to get me up 14 pounds. But I did see 536 on a scale. Do you sometimes look back and go, how did I survive? How am I still here? Yeah, it's wild. I mean, there were, there were as I said, many nights that I was convinced I wasn't going to be here. Um, you know, I, I think if I, if I make it, if I make it to the average lifespan of an American, I, I'm going to be very proud of myself. Well, dude, I'm glad you're alive. I'm glad you're here. You have a, it's, it's such an amazing story and you're an amazing human being. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, it gives me hope because a lot of people hope that, you know, you find love sometimes and you find somebody who really loves you inside out and accepts you for who you are, no matter what. And that, that does a lot for your mental well-being. It does a lot for your soul. It's like when you can find someone who's just like, wow, I cannot do. And I've done, I've dated people where I try to do, see, I told you I'd fuck up. See, I'm a fuck up. See, you should leave me. And when yeah. someone sticks around and says, no, asshole, I love you. And, you know, there's, I'm just, you know, I'm glad you're here. This is the, uh, it's, it's such a wonderful story. And I like seeing you succeed. And I don't like putting qualifications on it. And I feel bad because I think if there's a, a single person out there who's struggling with this, I don't want them to think like they have to find love in order to make some change. Um, And so I think about sobriety because I did get sober before I met my wife, which was another, it was a battle. And, and I do think there is some truth in when we, when you're talking about, do you love yourself? Finding something to at least respect about yourself finding areas you contribute to others or whatever gives you that sense of decency or, um, you know, the idea of belonging to a group, whatever that group is, whether it's a family or a group of friends or a business or work or a fucking video game online community, whatever it is. I think that everybody can spend a minute and, and, and locate some way that they have interactions with others and and are contributing something. Even if you're just saying hi and smiling at the barista at your local Starbucks twice a week or something like this. So I, I do feel bad sometimes talking about uh, myself and what I've gone through in terms of brandy, just because I don't want somebody to think like well, that's going to fix you. 
yeah, I have to find somebody. Right, right, it's, been right. a, it's been a shitload of work. Um, and I've gone back and forth. It wasn't a straight line. Right. And I don't, I don't believe that in order to make yourself better, um, you have to have someone uh, significant to other. So I, I just want, I just wanted to add that on because I, I, I do often feel that I, I do believe that everyone is capable of making some kind of change. And, and uh, I don't think there should be qualifications. Well, I've heard so many times people say you can't love someone till you love yourself. So um, I think there's some truth to that. Um, yeah, you know, I do too. I think, you know, sometimes I've been in relationships where I'm like, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not good enough for you. There's just no way. And that's just all on me. That's just me going, you're just not having that love for yourself. Or that like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, every day, well, I, yeah. I am definitely not good enough for my wife, and I am <laughs> very pleased every day that I'm winning in this uh, oh, in this exchange. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, I saw something on on the internet. Uh, you know, you were it was probably what you're doing now, but you were just ripped up, rat a tat tatted. Yes. Um, it was a l- recent post, and um, your sister in law, Juliet Lewis, name drop, said, uh. I'm sensing this guy is, uh, what's the word evil? Uh, so is that, is that the role you're playing now? Yeah. A lot of fake tattoos, uh, which strangely, um, many people on that post thought that I had overnight gotten a full body and face tattoos and the whole nine, um, and grown my beard. Like they look good longer. though. Those tats look good. Yeah. These guys are doing a great job. Hey, really quick, this is called Shit Talk, and I'm just going to ask you a few questions from fans that could be fast, rapid fire. Um, you know, I'm interested in this. Somebody says, uh, you know, Connor Walker, do you have any funny stories, experiences while filming The Wolf of Wall Street? And on top of that, my question was, I mean, give me something. What was it like working with uh, Scorsese, for God's sakes? Um, it was awesome. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I the, the only um, funny, weird story was there there we were filming kind of two different things and 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 me and the rest of the guys the 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 brokers were kind of off uh on a break and then i got a call like you're needed on that closed set and it was a closed set like nobody's allowed on this set and and i was like i'm needed what am i needed for and and they were like you just have to go in there and i went in and somebody was like we can't figure out how to do cocaine up an asshole can you help us with this we heard you can help us with <laughs> and i was like i'll do my best i mean how do you do that it's almost like sucking up a fart or sucking up air from your asshole you 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 load it into a straw and then you apply pressure to one end of the straw and the cocaine comes out the other at uh, the other end of the straw. so you, you help you them that. i help them but i'm just saying i was the guy called to to be uh, <laughs> I was the guy on set that was gone like who can help us with the ethan knows that's ethan when knows that's when you should have known all right i gotta get my shit together that's it that's rock well, bottom I, i've been sober at this point for almost 10 years so i oh, but, okay but, you know some of the people involved in that movie were had known me prior and were like he knows how to do this get him <laughs> Well, look, man, this has been extraordinary. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I just, it's very inspiring to me, and I love hearing the story. And it's just because um, I didn't know it. It's like a lot of times, you know, you and I haven't had a conversation like this ever. And so if this is what it takes, getting to know you a little bit more and kind of knowing a little, you know, inside your, what goes on inside your head and all that. But uh, I, I really appreciate you you coming on here. Thank you. You're a great conversationalist. This was really fun. Oh, dude, thanks, man. This is great. I really love doing this. And I have such ADD that when I put the headphones on, it just it helps. It just makes me just listen. And I'm sort of forced to listen, but it's it's very easy to listen to you and you speak eloquently. And um, Well, I'm, you have to do mine. You have to come. When I get back to LA, you have to come on mine and we'll talk about health and fitness. I'm in, man. I would love that. Okay, great. Dude, awesome. I love you. All my best to you. Kick some ass. Thank you. I loved Ethan's story. I thought it was, uh, you know, a lot of people won't talk about the things that they've happened in their lives, things that have happened in their lives that are so hard, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he went through to go through heroin addiction, to go through, you know, most of his life, he was obese and uh, didn't love himself and didn't like being recognized. And you heard all that. And, uh, 
now he's an inspiration. You see the guy has gotten his life together. He's he's lost so much weight. He's uh, strengthened. But more importantly, I think, is that he's learning to love himself. And that shows yeah. you that he's capable of it. It wasn't really about the losing of the weight. It was just making sure that you were okay with, you know, with, with who you with are. With who you are. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. that was pretty special. So thanks for listening again. If you want to uh, follow the podcast, uh, Ryan. Oh, uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And please write a review. Please subscribe if you really enjoyed this today. I appreciate it. You can also join the wonderful Patreon family that support the podcast in so many ways and keep this thing afloat, really. Uh, there's different tiers where you get boxes of merch and a letter uh, from me mm-hmm. every couple of months and uh, get to ask uh, guest questions. Um, there's so much that uh, the Patreon involves. And if you join, Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. I'll write you a message after. And it's just become such a great family. I don't know how many thank you notes I've had. Uh, I just got a, a nice email from Raj and Gracie, um, who are uh, patrons, um, Leanne, um, so many people that write in and say, God, I've become friends with so many people on this thing. And that's mm-hmm. it makes me just happy as a clam. Uh, also, our, don't forget our shows, July 31st, 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. If you want to hear my band, Sunspin, I really think we just came out with an album. I think you'll really enjoy it. We play two shows July 31st on stageit.com. Just type in Sunspin or you go to sunspin.com and you can get all merch. You can book Zooms with me. You could uh, book the band if you like. Some people have done that before. So that's always fun to come play for people at a park or wherever we play. Sunspin.com. Our handles, please follow Sunspin Band on Twitter. Uh, Instagram and Facebook at Sunspin Band. We need a few more hand, uh, a few more follows. We could use those. So please, everyone listening, please just really quickly follow us uh, on those handles at Sunspin Band. I'll be at a lot of conventions coming up. Uh, I just got back from uh, Houston. It was wonderful. I love the people in Houston. I had a great time. That was Comic Palooza. It was my first con in quite some time, but seeing people made me happy. Uh, also, I'll be at Dragon Con in Atlanta, September 4th weekend with Tom Welling. Lexington, September 9th through the 12th with Tom Welling. West Virginia Mountaineer Com, September 24th weekend. And the list keeps coming. So uh, also, if you want any merch, we got great stuff. We got some uh, Funko Lex Luthor Pops, Funko Pops. Mm-hmm. We got some uh, Lex Luthor shirts to say Michael Rosenbaum's the best Lex Luthor. I had those made. People like them. Uh, lunch boxes, small the lunch boxes, also tons of cool merch like mugs and inside you mugs and uh, tons of stuff like that. So uh, I want to say thank you for that. And thank you again for for listening. Thank you again for uh, supporting me, especially during my surgery and all the happy birthday wishes once again. And uh, couldn't do it without it. Couldn't do it without Ryan. I'll tell you that much. Couldn't do it without him. I'm going to read the top tier patrons. These are the people that contribute the most on the Patreon. And uh, they get shout outs. That's one of the special things they get out. So here we go. Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Jerry W, Robert B, Jason W, Apophian, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha N, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Carly H, Jan S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tabitha 272, not to be confused with. Tabitha 273. Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon Supremo, 99 more. Ramira, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man, Chase, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray H, Ray, hi Ray, uh, Tabitha T, Tom N, Suzanne B, Liliana, Michelle K, Hannah B, Michael S, Talia M, Betsy D, hi Betsy, I messed her name up a few times, she loves it, I do it on purpose. Claire M, Liz J, Laura L, Chad L, Rochelle, Nathan E, Marion E, Meg K, Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, Diane R, and the final little list here, it's mm-hmm. not Ojeda. It's Ojeda. It's Ojeda. Ojeda. Lorraine G, Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Carol D, Sandy B, Angel M. Yes, I didn't shower today, if that's what you're wondering. Where's my hat? Why is my hair greasy? Just leave me alone. Eric C, Rhiannon C, Corey K, Super Sam, Emily C, Sherry S, Coleman G, David C, Michelle A, Liz L. Jeremy C. Jeremy C. In class today. Andy T. Cody R. Chris E. Sebastian K. Gavinator. Ann H. Elliot M. John B. Brandy D. N. Yavor. Yavor. I just sent you a package, Yavor. Yavor. What's a good nickname for Yavor? 
It's either Yavor. I think it's uh, Yavor. Mm-hmm. Yavor. Sorry if I'm a bore. Yavor. Yavor or against it. Yavor or against it. Uh, that's it. Those are the lovable Patreons. You can go to patreon.com slash inside of you, get your name, shout out, and much, much more. And uh, is there anything else really, Ryan? <sighs> Another no, fun podcast. It, it was yeah. a good podcast. I really learned a lot from it. I learn a lot from these guests. I hope you do. I hope you tune in every week. And uh, thank you for allowing to be inside of each and every one of you. I appreciate all of you sincerely. And uh, Ryan, why don't we say goodbye to that camera way up there from the Hollywood Hills in Hollywood, Hollywood California. California. Well, Brian Taylor's over here with uh, your host, Michael Rosenbaum. Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, we appreciate you, man. This is uh, we have fun doing this. It's not brain surgery, but uh, we hope you. Uh, Stick around. Thanks. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.